I feel like it's like a call-in. We're having a call- it's just a call- it's turned into a call-in show. All right, everybody, welcome to Progressives Abroad. We're back once again, and this is your host Boutique. Don't forget to subscribe to this amazing podcast. And uh, today in the studio, we got Mr. Dan B. All the way from Columbia again today. Marcus, how you doing, Mister Mister over there? Yeah, I'm doing well. Doing well. Uh, you know, just uh teaching and studying still so trying to <laughs> trying to keep life on track as everything else flies off the rails <laughs> yes yeah so yeah so the last time we talked to you uh well i mean you live in Colombia, so uh i mean uh before we get on to anything else you want to just do a, let's do a brief a brief wellness check uh maybe for you but also for um your city and where you're at in Colombia. how is everything going over there um well not good you know, it's just like, uh, I think last time we talked, Colombia was doing all right. But I mean, I think now we're number five in the world for cases um, of, of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're probably going to hit a million this week. Um, million cases. Yeah. Uh, death, yeah. Deaths are pretty low, I would say, compared to the number of cases we have. Because like, for example, like Mexico and Peru both have like similar numbers of cases, but way higher death rates. So I don't know what's up with that. I mean, I would say in general, maybe the, the hospitals here are better than maybe in those two countries. Um, but interesting. Yeah. Even like Spain, like I think we're tied right now with Spain for number of cases and Spain has a lot more deaths too. I don't know. The thing is too, you never know, like people could be dying and the government's just, you know, not really, not really counting it, which I think is also very likely. I mean, this is the crazy thing about now is, I mean, I mean, as much as we, uh, every, I would say everybody, because I feel like so many people distrust governments everywhere around the world, as much as we've all like distrusted the governments before. Now it's on like the, it's like next level distrust in our government institutions, because I mean, every, you know, when I, when I hear people, you know, politicians in the United States saying, well, you can't trust those numbers over there in Russia. Or you can't trust those numbers over there in China. I'm like, yeah, probably not. And I don't really trust the numbers in Norway and I don't really trust the numbers in the United States either. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I just don't trust it anywhere. I mean, if you were, if you were, um, over here, it's, it's just crazy to hear how it's going on every, everywhere else. Because over here, like, I mean, in, in, in Europe, it's on fire. Like things are going crazy. Norway literally has the least amount of cases. I think I read today, uh, like per capita in Europe in general, but it's still here and it like still exists and they're not testing that much in comparison to like how many people are here and I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's very shady and I'm, 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 I'm kind of working on an episode about that whole thing right now, but it basically, you know, the government is, in my opinion, the government here in Norway is basically taking like a soft Trumpian stance on coronavirus, which is like, we're basically going to kind of act like, you know, Trump style attitude towards Corona, but we're not going to yeah. talk about it. Um, <laughs> Well, I don't know if you've seen anything about this recently, but actually the Colombian government is very much involved right now with the U.S. elections and very much the U.S. is very much involved with Colombia. Um, yeah. OK, let's talk about it. This sounds interesting because, yeah, that's the topic of today's show. Everybody is we're, we're, we're doing a series on elections perspectives from abroad. So tell us, how is how is the Colombia involved in the U.S. elections? So um, Colombia had presidential elections in 2018. Um and 
Well, the one, well, they, I mean, they had a bunch of candidates. They do ranked voting like most countries do. So like, you know, you have the first round and if no one gets 50%, then the top two candidates go head to head. Mm. Um, so there was like three major candidates. Um, there was one guy who was like a pretty centrist, you know, kind of like centrist kind of Democrat Joe Biden type, like neoliberal liberal type guy. Um, former mayor of Medellin, um, and so he was the third most popular. He got knocked out, but he um, drew a lot of votes away from this other guy who um, I would have supported, you know, and his name was Gustavo Petro. And he used to be actually an M19 guerrilla, which was one of the guerrilla groups here, not the FARC, which is like the major one, but they were, you know, a Marxist insurgency group in the 1970s and 80s. And he was actually a member of the group. Um, and, but he, you know, after, but they actually had a peace treaty back in like the eighties and they got incorporated as, into a political party. So he was a member of their political party for a while. Um, and he ran for president, super popular. Um, but it's interesting. So like in the first round, you know, these two guys were the most popular, like the centrist kind of guy. And the, and this guy who is like pretty far left, like definitely to the left of Bernie, I would say, um, like mm. a tr- I would say he's like a true, like leftist mm. in the most, um, in the sense. And, but then like out of nowhere, you know, in the last like couple weeks, you start seeing this guy rise up and his name is Ivan Duque. And he was running for the political party who of the ex-president from 2002 to 2010. So these are like the Bush and the beginning of the Obama years. And he was like notorious. Basically, I mean, I would say for the most part, he's kind of like, he was kind of a dictator. I mean, I don't think his elections were fair. Um, he controlled paramilitary groups. He was responsible for at least like, um, 5,000, 6,000 deaths and massacres in villages, uh, pretty ruthless president Jeez. and was currently at the time he was Senator. So he was leader of the Senate, like basically like a Mitch McConnell, like Senate majority. So he went from president to Senate majority leader. Um, so pretty influential figure. And he like threw his support behind this guy in like the last couple of weeks. And, you know, surprise of all surprise rises to the tops of the polls in like three weeks. And so when it came down to the head to head, basically the the narrative that happened in the in the presidential election here was like Venezuela, you know, because you got because mm-hmm. you get this guy who's like a far right candidate supported by, you know, the oil companies pro fracking. They also Columbia didn't even have fracking till this guy got into office. So this guy actually started fracking in 2018. Um, oh, my God. So. Anti-progress. And yeah, exactly. And so he, um, the narrative was Castro Chavismo. So like, they were like, you know, this guy, Gustavo Petro, he's, he was like, you know, allies with Castro. He was friends with Chavez. Like he's going to turn Colombia into Venezuela. He's going to turn Colombia into Venezuela. He's going to turn Colombia into, that was like the big, the big, that was like the big point. You know what I mean? It was like the big talking point of the election. It's like, you know, we can't be Venezuela. We can't be like Venezuela, blah, 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 blah. And so, um, you know, this guy wins. Um, Actually, a couple months ago came out that, you know, a lot of the, there was a bunch of election fraud, which, you know, obviously, like, of course, there was election fraud um, because he came out of nowhere and then ends up winning the election, you know, in the last like three weeks. Um, 
And, you know, he's a bunch of his like administration cabinets own like coca farms and have direct relationships with narco traffickers. So it's very obvious that a lot of, um, you know, dark, shady stuff went down. Mm-hmm. Um, but this guy, so Ivan Duque, he's U.S. educated and he got his undergraduate, I think, at Georgetown. And then, um, of course. And then I think he maybe went to Harvard Law. But, like, the guy speaks perfect English. Like, he speaks, like, U.S. English, doesn't have an accent. You'd think he's from the U.S. if you heard him talk. Um, and did, he, did he go to school with this other guy? What was his name? Um, Guaido? Did he go to school with Juan Guaido? No, I don't think so. I don't think <laughs> Sounds, so. Okay. But they're all in the same boat. You know, they're all in the yeah. same boat. Mike Pompeo, the same Ma- Mike Pompeo has been spending a lot of time in Colombia lately. Um, Interesting. Really? He's, yeah, Mike like Pompeo under the radar. Yeah, Mike, but U.S. military is all over the coast right now, like in the villages. They're all like setting. Yeah. So U.S. military is all over the Colombian coast, uh, setting up encampments. Um, The official reason is to fight narco trafficking. But I don't know. I mean, it seems like they're getting ready to invade Venezuela from the word on the street. Um, And it's not like a conspiracy thing. Like you can look this up like this. It's like not like they're totally here and they're present and it's like an official operation. Um, so, um, and yeah, so, and the ex-president, his name was Alvaro Uribe. He was under house arrest for corruption charges, but they just let him free. Um, of course, you know, cause nobody, no, no rich people stay in prison for long if they even go to prison. Um, and he was really good friends with George Bush, close personal friends of George Bush. Um, he actually got money under the Patriot Act because he was he was pledging to fight terrorism. Uh, so very much in the last like 15, 20 years, a lot of us Colombian relationship going on. And, um, it's kind of culminating. Cause I don't know if you saw Trump tweet the other day. So Trump tweeted, I think like two or three days ago, let me just pull up the tweet actually. Um, and he tweeted about this guy, Gustavo Petro, cause Gustavo Petro has been like really just like ripping on Trump the last couple of days. He's currently a Senator. So he lost the election, but he's still a Senator. So he's still mm-hmm. a major figure in Colombian politics. Um, and, but yes, yeah, so, um, so basically Trump is really banking on winning Florida. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so what Trump's trying to do is trying to win the Latino vote in Florida. So he's really going after the Cubans and the Venezuelans in Florida. Sure. Because, you know, they're big population and Colombians, obviously, too. But I don't think he would actually have too much trouble winning these populations anyway, because I would say most Cubans, Venezuelans and Colombians who are in Florida are of like the elite who kind of have left these countries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, landowners, wealthy people, oil people, um, narco people, I'm sure as well. Um, but. So he's really trying to like get the votes. So he's so Trump is also now invoking the Venezuelan narrative into the election. And so Trump tweeted on October 10th. So like four days ago, he said, Joe Biden is a puppet of the Castro Chavistas, like crazy Bernie, AOC and Castro lover Karen Bass. Biden is supported by socialist Gustavo Petro, a major loser and former M19 guerrilla leader. Biden is weak on socialism and will betray Colombia. I stand with you. Wow. That one, so, I, that, wow. 
I had no idea this was going on, man. This is why I wanted to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> the, so yeah. So like the U.S. and Colombia have been buddy buddy lately. Um, I mean, they always have been. I would say throughout like the Cold War era, because you know Colombia's been a very strong neoliberal stronghold in Latin America, considering it's surrounded by like you know Ecuador and. So basically in the early 2000s, I don't know how much you know about it, but like Colombia, I mean, South America took like a huge swing left. Like mm. you had Evo Morales in Bolivia got elected. Uh, you had Rafael Correa in Ecuador got elected. These guys are also, you had Chavez was in power, got elected. And you also had Lula in Brazil. I don't know if you know about Lula at all. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And That's so cool. I don't know so had, much about all this, but I know the names. <laughs> and you had Pepe Mujica in Uruguay. And so you had like all these like countries that basically limit elected either either like straight up socialists or democratic socialists who were and, you know, Colombia, on the other hand, had this far right dictator type person, Alvaro Uribe, who is still like the major politician pretty much in Colombia. And so the U.S., I think between George Bush and even Obama was down here messing around too with like he had like something called the Plan Colombia, which was uh, which is very controversial. I don't know too much about it, to be honest, but I know that it's Mm -hmm. not well received by the people who I know and like my professors and stuff. And that was like Obama and Hillary Clinton were involved in that. Um. But yeah, so in the last like 20, 30 years, I think U.S. and Colombia have been really just trying to eliminate socialism in Latin America. And, and they're starting with Venezuela. So, I mean, are these so these military ships. Yeah, no, I, just, I mean, they I, already, just, I mean, they already got they already got rid of Evo Morales. I mean, you saw that like last year. What happened with him was like, there was a coup. Yeah. Yeah. In Bolivia. Right. Yeah. In Bolivia. And. And Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz were in the in the U.S. Embassy in Bolivia when that happened. This is insane. And so, like, I mean, it seems like it was like a U.S. orchestrated coup. Oh, yeah. And I mean, do you remember like last year when it really looked like they were going to do the I think it was last year, right? Or maybe two years yeah, ago. When it really yeah, looked like the like coup that, was going to happen. And the Venezuela was on the border. Yeah, and even I remember even Mike Pence did this like really bizarre video from like the vice president office where he was like hola my friends like we stand with the people of venezuela and blah 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 it was just and it was just like yeah we're coming we're in in, and they support and his support for juan guaido and all this stuff like that it's just like it's it seems so obviously cheesy and planned you know yeah and so i think um i don't know what's i don't really know what has been like the like the weight, I guess, because mm-hmm. I don't know if Trump is just trying to get popular support. I think I think basically Trump and Duque, which are basically going to be the two major military forces that would be involved in a war or a coup of Venezuela, you know, because Colombia has got a really big military as well. Um, and I think proportionally for like population budget wise, almost the same size as the U.S. Like it's a heavily militarized country. Um and I guess I don't really know what they're trying to do. I think I don't know why they're waiting, basically. I don't know if they're waiting for like enough popular support from both <laughs> from both like 
populations. Like I don't know if they're waiting for enough popular support from the U.S. and enough popular support from Colombia to invade. I don't know if they're waiting for. I think they're hoping Maduro will resign. Maybe. Um, and I don't know if I don't. I don't really know what they're waiting for. Maybe they're waiting for Trump to be reelected. Uh, That's what I was thinking. I mean, maybe. Well, I mean, for right now probably doesn't matter in the next, you know, 20 days or so. They're just kind of milking it, you know, for publicity at the moment. And then, you know, I mean, eventually they want to do it. It's just a matter of time. Maybe they're not ready to do it now or maybe they want to do it after the election. I mean, I think in general, if if Trump, you know, was to win the election, I think then we're going to see a whole bunch of skeletons come out of the closet after that. He's kind of been holding out a bit in more recent times yeah. and to a certain extent, behaving himself. I know that sounds crazy considering how he's been behaving, but I think he's been kind of holding back a bit. I can, I can feel he's holding some, repressing some things he wants to do. <laughs> and I mean, the government, I think regardless, I think, I mean, I don't know if it'd be so much different under like a, a Biden presidency uh, with our f- foreign relations down there. Yeah, I mean, Biden, I mean, the thing is like Juan Guaido has the support, I think, of like, you know, most countries. He has in bipartisan the support, right? Like yeah. in the United States. Well, I think in most countries, I think even like the European Union and I think the only country. It's crazy. I think the only countries that support Maduro right now are like Iran, Syria, Russia, China, Turkey, maybe. Weirdly enough, mm. I think Turkey like weirdly supports Maduro. I'm not sure why. Um, but, you know, I mean, I don't think Maduro is a good leader and I don't think he is running a very democratic country. And I don't think he's, you know, I think he's definitely got a lot of problems. But um, I think at least the first I mean, he was appointed and then I think his election was for the most part democratic, as democratic as any election could be at this time. Um but, you know, do I support any sort of coup? Absolutely not. You know, like they got to. Yeah. I mean, especially they, not by um, other major countries. And the know? thing that's not being reported either is like Maduro offered to debate like Guaido. And the thing is, like, they're calling Maduro a dictator. I was like, if he was really a dictator, Guaido would be dead. That's right. I did hear that. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm looking at, I'm just doing a quick news search right now. It's like barely in the news. I found one article from like three weeks ago on some you know random yeah news site basically saying that you know the military ships there there's war games going on yeah there was a weird thing that happened a couple months ago where like i don't know if you saw this in the news at all that like there was like 12 like ex-marine like militia guys that like got on like a a little speedboat from columbia you saw this this was it was like a joke. It yeah, and they tried like to like joke. they tried to like land on the beaches of Caracas and like take over like and I was like, "Those are these guys. This guy's seen too many like James Bond movies or something." Like these guys yeah. were wilding out. It's like, I mean, Venezuela's got a huge military too. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. these twelve guys think they're gonna just waltz into like this massive country and take over the government. You know, like in a way. I mean, I really I wonder what that. I mean, I wonder really what that was all about i mean were they like somehow sent there or this is just a total independent operation i mean the <laughs> thing is i don't know how independent it could be because i don't really know how any like u.s paramilitary personnel could be operating here without knowledge without knowledge from exactly. the colombian or the u.s government so 
Yeah, um, I just it's just weird because it, it, I thought, oh, this must have been some kind of covert operation gone wrong. But these guys seemed vastly like unprepared and like got caught quite easily. And I, I remember watching some films of them. They didn't really look like very like they didn't even they were kind of like out of shape dudes riding around in a dinghy. <laughs> yeah, it was, I don't know. It was bizarre. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, I mean, maybe they weren't like sent there by the government, but maybe the government's like, yeah, if you guys want to try it, go for it. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's interesting that, you know, this narrative that I've heard for the last, you know, four years in Colombia is now started, is making it to the lips of the president of the United States. Um, and, you know, I think somehow, we've kind of entered like a new era of red scare where like, Oh, definitely. Where these words, socialism, communism, whatever are, um, becoming, you know, scapegoats again, which kind of seemed to die off. I don't know, since after the fall of the Soviet union. Um, Mm -hmm. cause I don't really remember hearing this, at least in the U S as like a kid, I mean, I'm sure in Latin America, it's been a different story because here they've had, you know, a lot of different changes of power and, you know, guerrilla groups and whatnot. So I'm sure it's different here, but at least in the U.S., you know, I mean, when I was a kid, it was all about like Muslims and terrorists and whatever and Al Qaeda and ISIS. And, but now this seems, it seems like this has, I mean, maybe it's like, it's kind of a response to Bernie bringing the word socialism into the narrative and like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I think like between these two major political figures, even though I wouldn't say either of them are really like socialist per se. I mean, I think they're democratic socialists and have socialist values to them, but I don't think they're, they're not like, like even Juan Guaido, did you see what he said about AOC? He was like, oh, and like in Venezuela, she's like a centrist or something. <laughs> like, Oh really? Yeah. He was like yeah, laughing. I mean, I don't know. The thing is, like, the problem I have with all these terminology at some point is like, you know, I mean, first of all, they're vastly misunderstood terms, which is actually why I think it's great. We got to talk about it later, but I I thought it was great that you put together this, you know, summary of all these different political terms to like give out to people because, um, because I was just reading that uh, a a couple hours ago. And, uh, you know, because, I mean, these, are words and they have definitions and they can be very abstracted once you like release them into the wild. You know what I mean? And I mean, the wild, including, you know, a government trying to base their entire governmental system on socialism or capitalism or whatever. But these, all these terms are like so vastly misunderstood. So, I mean, at the end of the day, like for the most part, what are we, what are we really talking about? Like a, a Bernie type person, what are we, or, you know, what are we really talking about when we talk about socialism or saying basically providing government uh, providing basic needs to the citizens, you know, yeah. like basic social services. That, that's all we're talking about. But they put these labels on them because of the like historical context connotations that they carry, yeah. you know. And and then on the other, and then on the other side, you see a lot of people that are also like kind of misconstruing what they mean in all kinds of weird ways. Even well, on, I the, think, on, yeah, mm-hmm. I think like yeah, exactly. And I think it's even a big problem like in the U.S. like left because I think a lot of people who you know identify with these ideologies don't really know how to use the terms, and they end up like you know getting caught up in they get caught up in like an argument, and they don't even know like exactly what they're arguing about at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think in a lot of ways it's easier to just 
it's it's I'm I'm not so sure how helpful these terms are most of the time. You know, well, what I, I mean? think they're all, I think they're helpful for like reducing propaganda and misinformation. I think you, you, you think well, but I think that yeah, I mean that's interesting. What do you mean? Because because what I'm what I'm kind of thinking is that like you know you take a word like socialism, kind of a broad term or like a term that's just very like misinterpreted, misconstrued, and and can be easily abstracted, and like it it, it they'll just put it on a big poster of like you know in red and uh, well I think socialism. I think like you know just. The fact that, you know, something like a public health care system in the U.S. gets associated with, you know, a country like Cuba or Venezuela is a problem. And that's. Oh, yeah. So I think that's where we're like, we need to kind of start to understand a little bit of these differences. It's like. Oh, yeah. I mean, people. I mean, it's kind of like a double edged sword. They're like, oh, public health care. That's socialism. I was like, well, not really, because most capitalist countries in the world have public health care systems. Yeah. This this is what I mean. It's like. And one thing I always had a problem with, with uh, Bernie and really like a lot of. I mean, I have a problem with many politicians and how they use these words, because it's like, dude, it's like, I know what you're saying, but like most people don't know what you're saying. You know what I mean? So it's like we have to. You know, okay, socialism. Okay, what do you really mean by that? Can we come up with, uh, you know, different ways of explaining this? You know what I mean? Uh, Because for the most part, it just goes either over people's heads because of a huge blind spot in the education system growing up. I mean, we're fed tons of propaganda, but at the same time, we don't understand what these simple words mean. You know, like... yeah and we don't yeah we don't understand like the context because i mean yes socialism you know yeah public services this is basically what bernie sanders is talking about and like what the average democratic socialist is talking about in the united states right now yeah exactly and so and which is really just you know it i don't know it's it's a weird it's a weird uh it's a weird situation where i think yeah i think we need to because I, I, I think when people don't know these words and uh, they don't at least have like a general understanding of what any of them mean, like people don't even understand what they mean. You know what I mean? Like not even mm-hmm. like a, not even a remotely idea. Like literally I saw like a comment in like my town Facebook group about like the masks and they're like they're like telling people like what to wear is like communism. And I was like, that's like not even <laughs> remotely true <laughs> and i was like that's like author- that's like authoritarianism it's like being like authoritarian or dictatorship it has nothing to do with like economic systems or <laughs> like anything and so it's like i think you know a lot of these ideas are just vast like they don't like people don't even have like a clue you know it's not even like people have a general idea like people don't even have a clue Oh, absolutely. Dude, I mean, honestly, like growing up, like I don't know, I don't know about you, but I feel like growing up, I didn't learn about this in up, a proper way. All through the entire K through 12 education system in Florida, I didn't learn about any of this stuff. We learned about in 12th grade in the very last semester, we had a class on US government. You know, you know the whole K through 12 education system, we never learned of any of this stuff. Only through my own curiosity and like growing up today, you know, learn about get proper education and what all these terminology means but yeah. i mean that we can we can create an entire system like how like i don't even know like where people have the audacity to throw these terms around when they have no idea what they mean this is silliness yeah but yeah, yeah so 
Um, but uh, but I yeah. think you know it seems to be a central like the fact that people think like Joe Biden's a socialist is like wild. Ah, it's like wild. <laughs> it's wild. It's really wild. It's it, it's in the in, well. I mean, I think at the end of the day, what it really is is like the people that are going to be scared by that word the most are the people that you know the the older generations. Uh, I probably the older the older I, I'm just assuming, but I think the older you are, the, when that word meant you know Soviet Union, when that word meant you know you know communist China back in the 50s and 60s that's that's the people that's going to scare and that's the people that they need like to vote for Trump because it's still one of the biggest voting blocks yeah but that's the thing too like we don't even learn about like the truth of a lot of things in like the Soviet Union because I mean the thing is the Soviet Union under Stalin and the Soviet Union after Stalin were vastly different places Mm. like you know the I mean obviously you know it wasn't a great place but the thing is that you know, the, I don't know who was the first guy right after Stalin. I think it was, what was it? Um, Khrushchev was the one mm-hmm. who took over after Stalin and he like completely like denounced so many things that Stalin did. And he like removed a bunch of statues of Stalin and everything. And he was like, yeah, like Stalin, like you would never hear that. Like Khrushchev completely denounced Stalin. And you know, and so it's like things you don't learn. Oh, about. dude, yeah, you're 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 already like way too deep into like what uh, people should know about the Soviet Union. You know what I mean? I mean, of course, it's like a good, it's a good thing to know. But I mean, it's like it's just like people don't think people aren't even they don't even know that like the USSR and the Soviet Union are the same place. Yeah, <laughs> it's a yeah, of big course. black hole, and it's a big black hole in the education system. It's it's yeah. crazy. So I mean. I mean, just to know about it, like I'm really fascinated with the Soviet Union because exactly that, because I did not learn anything about it growing up. And I just heard a little chirping in the background, kind of like, oh, what is that place? I oh, just about learned about time. it as being yeah. a bad, scary place. Yeah. Instead and like, I mean, I can tell you, like, I mean, you know, um, you know, uh, n- now I'm 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 married into a lot uh, to a lot of people who used to live in the Soviet Union, so I find out a lot about it. And not too many people would like to go back to the Soviet no, Union, not. that's for sure. And and uh, yeah, and there's there's I mean, actually, I don't really know anybody. The only people I hear that that talk a bit like um, like uh, what do I want to say like sentimental about it nostalgically about it are some of the older people like really old people but because what a lot of people don't understand also about the soviet union is that like when it fell apart like there was really nothing you know there's it's a i mean we're going from such one extreme like basically soviet union to like trying to like fit into like european like you know you know open market like capitalism it's you know just factories shut down people kind of didn't know what to do you know so especially a lot of a lot of a lot of the former soviet union ended up being disaffected but that doesn't mean that the soviet union was like great it just means it was a system and a structure that was set up and then afterwards they had to rebuild everything and some countries did better than others there's countries like estonia which are like off the chain doing fantastic and then there's you know neighboring countries like that are you know if you if you armenia and Azerbaijan getting spicy right now too. Yeah. I mean, people are just duking out. So yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a really fascinating, uh, 
situation in the so former Soviet Union. But I mean, but on the other hand, it, one thing that I notice um, that that bugs me sometimes, and I see this especially a lot on like you know social media. Is, you know, there's a lot of like iconography like related to the Soviet Union and all this kind of stuff. And for me, this stuff is like, you know, f- very basic, like hammer and the sickle and all this kind of stuff. And I get it. I understand the, the, the long history of this symbology, but nowadays, uh, I don't like any kind of symbology. Yeah, I don't either. But the thing is, is like, but I mean, I understand like the origins cause I've had a lot of like disagreements with people about this kind of stuff. And I'm like, this, this, like trend of like, yeah, I'm going to wear this hammer and sickle and I'm going to like shout about like communism all the time. I'm just like, dude, this is not helping right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. And it's like, people don't even realize that the Soviet union wasn't communist. Oh, I mean, a lot, a lot of it, it was very, uh, like, well, I mean, I, don't know, I mean, it was an unequal society with like a, hi- a huge hierarchy and power structure. And exactly. Oppression mm-hmm. as like, there's nothing about it that's communist at all. So it's like, in, in many ways, it was kind of very, you know, capitalistic. It was just organized in a, in a certain way. You know? yeah, it was just capitalist, I mean, just in the fact that the state um, was the boss instead of a business. Exactly. And I mean, there was, you know, tons of crazy stuff going on. I mean, lots of deportations of people out to Siberia and all kinds of yeah. crazy stuff. And I feel like when people, there's so many people kind of like flashing about about this. I'm like, you don't understand like what really happened. You know, I mean, for some people, like for example, in Lithuania, where I, where, uh, where I know a lot of people, you know, you can't even flash the hammer and sickle. It's like being in Germany and flashing the swastika, you know? But it's kind of funny how you can like go around and like get t-shirts with this in like, you know, Orlando, Florida or something like that with like Mickey Mouse on it. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, crazy. Bizarre. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. And, um, yeah, but uh, what I, what I was, what I've been trying to like get across to people, I guess, in like months leading up to this is mm. basically that, you know, the U S basically operates under a like a one a one party system like we talk about how china's like a one party or russia's a one party or like soviet union was a one party state and i'm like the us is a one party state too because you know even in these one party states like in the soviet like the soviet union had elections but they were all candidates mm. from the communist party they were candidates from the mm. communist party who had different perspectives and ideologies and you know in the United States, we have two parties, but they're really just two facets of the same party, which is the capitalist imperialist party, because exactly both, both, I mean, both parties, like the main core, both parties want to maintain the same economic system. Both parties want to maintain the same international policy. And so it's like, well, you know, you're just two factions of the same party because you're like, your end goals are both the same. You're just having different, you know, ideas of how to achieve them. I mean, you know, the Republican Party will say in the last couple of years has definitely shifted um, farther right. Um, And I think, you know, I think the gap has been widened a little bit um, with like the influence of like Bernie and AOC and also with the influence of Trump on the other hand. You know, I think these these gaps, but like traditionally, you know, in the last you know, in the whole time of the Cold War, the U.S. operated under a one state, a one party state as well. 
just people just it's like an illusion that we have oh yeah we, it's an illusion that we have a choice because really you know neither party wants to promote any serious like systematic change you know and so that and the thing is like people don't understand how one party states work and that's how a lot of one party states work you know it's like yeah there's you know there's only one party but there's candidates within that party that have different opinions and they vote on you know different candidates yeah i mean the the kind of tribalistic fight that is presented to us you know republican or democrat red or blue the socially conservative or the socially liberal i mean this fight is uh kind of keeping the masses distracted is the way i look at it yeah. you know what i mean i mean of course there are some really serious like social issues that we should be concerned with yeah of course uh, that of course. that of course but at the end of the day it doesn't it's not going to change the underlying the um the 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 foundation which is a completely like unjustifiable you know capitalist system that is like oppressing the majority of people you know and that's that will prevail either way yeah um under under this party under yeah. this one party and system. i think you know we're always we're we're pretty much stuck between a rock and a hard place always because like you know we just we just pretty much always have to vote for the democrats because you know it's like all right well we need to have you know we need to have abortion to be legal we need to you know you know at least have um you know like you know decent somewhat decent uh, environmental policies we need to have you know politicians that don't want to like nuke you know the whole middle east you know um but you know at the same time it's like well they're not really offering i mean they're not really offering anything to they're just like kind of cleaning up the surface wounds instead of trying to fix the cancer that's deep down in the body you know yeah well that's the that's the carrot they keep and it's like they yeah. keep they keep us chasing the carrot you know what i mean meanwhile yeah. and we but the thing is we have to chase that carrot because you know otherwise we get things like trump who's just you know just totally taking us back to of course to a very very dangerous situation and so it's like you know it's it's yeah really, i think uh, and i think this is i think this is like an interesting uh topic to uh to uh, focus on for a second is like what's going on right now because I'm, I'm I I have my theories on it but like you know I right now there is like a big part of the left you know like you said the people that would typically vote Democrat that I feel are like breaking off you know what I mean and we would a big part of the progressive the progressive you know constituency at this point in time I mean I know after the um, the primaries and this whole fiasco and the crazy stuff that happened. And I was pissed off and couldn't at that point in time, imagine myself voting for Biden. I felt almost like a, just like a so pissed that I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. But after processing it for a while, I said, okay, you know what? My vote is only so powerful. And what can I do in this instance? You know what I mean? Cause if I, if I, if I don't, you know, vote, against trump then we're just like like you said we're 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 due for a lot more abuse like on that level on the trumpian level not to mention just like i think psychologically you know 
the people need to just take a break from that whole Trump situation. Yeah. (laughs) Really like, like on mass. But I mean, a lot of people aren't having it anymore. Like, I mean, I almost wasn't going to have it, but I said, no, okay, I gotta, cause I'm not going to, I feel like at the end of the day, I'm not going to achieve anything by, you know, I don't know from me from Florida, especially I'm not going to achieve anything by voting third party. Yeah. In this well, situation. Like, what I have, I guess I have three takeaways from this that have been my, my thing is like, um, you know, if we're going to continue to operate in this two party system, which is probably going to keep happening at least for one or two more hmm. elections, unfortunately, um, primaries are just way more important. Yeah, I mean, the primaries are just way more important than the general election. Um, and so there's that. And then you got to like people really got to start like paying a lot more attention to their local elections. I, I looked up every single candidate in my local election in the primaries. Yeah, same here. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I got to start doing this better. I got to start looking into these people. Um, got to start throwing money at these people when they're running their campaigns. Yeah. Um, and... I, you know, I, I'm, you know, I was calling a lot of people that I knew and make sure that in my, my district and saying like, you know, these are the candidates. I looked them up just so like when you vote, you know, and just like, you know, let you know, like, this is what I found out about them. Like my friends who I know probably didn't look them up and stuff. Um, that's great, man. And also like, you know, I've been trying to get people in Massachusetts because I think Massachusetts is like a pretty safely blue state always um you know i think we gotta bump the numbers of these third parties in states that are mm. safe like i'm gonna mm. i'm probably gonna vote for the green party um mm. because i'm not worried about trump winning massachusetts um and so yeah i'm gonna i'm probably gonna vote for the green party and i think that like you know i think in states that are safely blue where people have a little bit more of liberty to like i think we need to start bumping these numbers to make third candidates seem more viable in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause I think what, 10 million people voted third party last election. And so we can get that number up to like 15 million or 20 million this election, you know, and it, it doesn't result in like everybody was blaming Jill Stein for Hillary losing. I was like, look where people voted for Jill Stein. People voted for Jill Stein in like yeah. Massachusetts, Vermont, California. California, like States that were blue no matter what. And so I think, I think we need to start pumping these numbers a little bit. Like obviously for you, if I lived in Florida, I'd vote for Joe Biden. Of course, if I lived in Texas, I'd vote for Joe Biden. No, Of course. But I think, yeah, I think, but I, yeah, I like the way you look at it. Cause I mean, I think we're, we're, we're both looking at it the same way. It's like, it's like, um, tactical strategic, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, I do, I am concerned a bit that there is a lot of, I mean, people got the right to do it, but I'm concerned that there's a lot of kind of, um, like silly voting like going on people think they're gonna i don't know people think that they can achieve so much it's kind of sad to me because you can't really achieve that much with this one vote there's a million other people to vote for like down ballot that we need to be like flooding the flooding you know the house and the local elections with and um yeah, I mean, yeah, like I'm in Florida, so I don't want to vote for Joe Biden, but of course, of course I'm going to vote for him because it's like a job interview. It's like Trump miserably has failed his job. Like, we don't want that anymore. Like, yeah, it's not even a, it's not even like a lesser of two evils issue. It's just like, fuck that dude. You know exactly. Mean? Like, yeah. yeah. And, and so, but um, 
because like I've heard too, just from like a lot of like older people that they just don't want to vote for him, like any, for for anyone, and they're on like more of the conservative side, you know, because mm-hmm. they're just like very disaffected with the with Trump or whatever. And I've been trying to get those people who would normally vote for Republicans, and I'm like just write someone in or vote third party. Because yeah, like those because they're not taking away votes from Biden, they're taking away votes from Trump. And it's like, well, if, like one of my friend's dad said he wasn't going to vote for anyone. He's a pretty conservative guy. And I, and I was telling my friend, I was like, just tell your dad to write someone in. Just like as many votes as we can take away from these two parties in this election. Just to like, you know, just give more life to the future elections. Oh, that would be amazing, too. I mean, could you imagine that? Like, OK, uh, best case scenario in this election would probably be, you know, Trump loses, Biden wins, but there's like a significant like portion of third party votes. Yeah. Like even if it's for different kinds of parties, it, all that collect, I mean, it'd be great to just millions and millions of third party votes would be amazing. So I, I do hope that that happens. That would be amazing. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's I mean, kind of my, that's kind of my like general philosophy in the last couple of days. It's like, you know what? If you if you live in a safe state one way or the other and you really, really, really don't want to vote for either one, I was like, I think you should vote third party because... Yeah, this makes sense. I mean, as long as we have this, as, as long as we still have this uh, electoral college system, may as well use it to our advantage. Exactly. And so, yeah. Um... Yeah. And then I guess just um, final thoughts here. Like it seems like, you know, the way the media is making it look and, you know, the way like Trump himself is making it look, it looks like he's losing. Um, it does. It looks but, like yeah. he's losing steam and he's, he seems pretty desperate. But at the same time, you know, who's who's to know? Who's to know? Yeah, dude. I mean, I don't know. It, I, don't, I don't. I I don't buy it. I mean, I'm not. I'm not I have a twinge. Uh, I have like a little twinge of hope, maybe. But we'll have to. I'll, I'll wait. I'll 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 believe it when I see. Yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Know? I don't. I don't feel. I'm not feeling it. I'm not getting my hopes up. I'll believe it on. I'll believe it on. Uh, I don't know. February. Uh, February twentieth. Uh, when finally, after all the Supreme Court. Uh, uh, rulings have been made and uh, a winner is declared or something, you know, yeah. like, I mean, hopefully it doesn't come to that. I mean, but yeah. And I mean, and, and that's what I'm saying too. Like we got to use this boat, use our votes in the best way that we can. So, I mean, if you're listening out there, cause I know, I feel like as if there's, I mean, I did it to myself and I feel like there's a lot of like kind of voter shaming going on and people are, are, are feeling like they should vote, you know, for Biden or something, but they don't want to, or maybe they're afraid to vote for a third party. So, I mean, think about it strategically. Um, it's not just a matter of the bullshit that, you know, the democratic party has been trying to sell us this whole blue, no matter who crap um but it is like a strategic thing that we can do to kind of like um prepare for the future because i mean i think undoubtedly i mean i hope i I think you know at least for progressive causes you know okay the the you know before we leave today you know i just think the republican party has shit the bed big time okay and you know the de- now okay democratic party you think you can do it i don't think they can do that great of a job but okay you think you can do it? okay here you go take it take take the reins and i think that it's going to probably end up being disappointing anyways and it will just be even more fuel for the fire in 2024 so 
That's what I'm. That's my. Um, that's my. It's getting late. Cons- though, that's my getting late. futuristic conspiracy. Twenty. Oh, dude. Twenty. Too late. <laughs> too late. It's getting late. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I mean, but well, I mean, I, I mean, but there's like zero chance right now that we could get any other kind of candidate in there in 2020. You know. Yeah. So we have to. I mean, I wouldn't wait till 2024 either. I would be like, you know, but at least like, you know, put, put the dam is like leaking. There's many holes in the dam. So at least plug up that one hole and then like, let's, you know, all this, like I, you know, all these people, a lot of people are probably going to fall asleep maybe if like Biden gets elected, but I think there's a lot more people that are awake now. So I'm just hoping, you know, you know, for me, that's not a victory. That's just like a, okay, let's shut some people up. All right. Like, let's keep moving. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's not a victory. It's getting out of the battle alive. <laughs> it's, it's getting I out alive, know, dude. It's, it's like getting it's, out alive. I, I was I was trying to come up with an analogy the other day. I was like, okay, I was like, uh, okay, we don't want to vote for Trump, so we're gonna run out of that burning building. And I don't know, are we running into another burning? Where else are we running into? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of just like it's kind of just like putting a band-aid on a gunshot wound yeah exactly like, all right it's gonna it's, stop yeah, I mean, ble- it's gonna stop us bleeding for a little bit so we can yeah hopefully get to a hospital i mean I, <laughs> I do i do wonder at this point like i mean who out there because the thing is like i said for me to like kind of stomach voting for biden i really had to like process it over like months it was very disturbing for me this idea um and um i are there people out there if you're listening, let us know <laughs> who legitimately like still have this like fantasy, like, Oh, once like a Democrat gets in office then everything's going to be better again. Oh dude. I think a lot of people <laughs> do. I think a lot of people do. It's just, yeah, I, I mean, I know do. there are, but it's just like, geez, man, see, that's, that's scary. So, and, and, and the truth is, is at the end of the day, that's going to, that's, it's like, I don't know what we say, like triangulated now. It's like, there's, this is, you know, it's like the third party people, and that's a, a fragmented group, you know, and then you got the Democrats and you got the Republicans. So it's really, yeah. it's kind of get the, that third estate bigger and bigger. So yeah, let's do what we can. Exactly. Well, cool, man. Hey dude, thanks so much for coming on the show today and sharing. This is uh, part of our getting ready to vote from abroad series. And, uh, We'll be, I'm sure we'll have you back on again soon as cool. always. Cool. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad, to, glad to be here. Glad to talk about it always. So, um, thanks for having me on. Great. Thanks, Dan. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe and share this with all of your friends out there in the world of social media and I don't know, maybe even in your car. We'll see you soon again. Peace. Yeah.